Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Plant-Based Ben. We're going to talk about health, freedom, and truth. Today's episode talks about the value of freedom at all costs. Ben, welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I saw you on Instagram a couple times today. You're all about the lives. I often do about 10 lives a week, I would say. It might be an exaggeration, but there's it's a week or two I've done that, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of important stuff to get out. Yeah. And I heard on Plant Your Seed podcast that you've been wanting to make an impact in the world since you were a small child. Oh, it's true. It's true. I guess I've always had a desire to want to help. It's something in me. Maybe it's the wounded child that needs to fix things that (laughs) maybe and maybe by doing that, I'll heal myself inside. I don't know. How are you wounded? (laughs) <laughs> or forget the weather let's just get right into it huh I'm yeah tell I'm me about the bumps and bruises along the way oh my gosh i think i was a really sensitive kid i was always just very sensitive i was sensitive about the animals i grew up with in the in the forest so my brother and the kids were like playing football i'm like i'm gonna go look in the forest and look for animals and and hike and there's just a sensitivity about me that I was always, I think, extra concerned about what was going on. And then I'd watch all these animal planet shows. And at the end, they'd say, oh, now they're destroying the rainforest. And I was getting concerned about all that. Right. And so I went and got my degree in environmental science to because I wanted to help the world. And I think so there was always a sensitivity that there's a lot of opportunity to make the world a better place. And that always stuck with me. Now more than ever. Oh, my God. I have some questions for my husband too, and he never gives me questions. So his first question was, what catalyzed your health and fat loss transformation? He noticed on your Instagram photo that you went from 26% body fat to 7%. He's definitely working on that too. Wow. Yes. You do your homework. Thank you for for paying attention. I appreciate that. Honestly, kind of coming back to where we were with that idea about the animals. It's like, we all love animals. There's nobody who says, I don't love animals. Nobody would leave a cold, a puppy in the cold and just say, who cares? But yet we would go and eat a pig which a lot of people have pet pigs, you know, and, and, and I'm not judging anyone for this or trying to pass my values on, but you ask why, and I'm explaining. So it's the idea It's like, well, we say, well, it's different because a pig's a farm, it's a farmed animal. They were bred for us to do that. And, you know, they're dirty creatures or dogs. They're are not kosher. Be, yeah. They're not kosher, whatever you want to say, right? You can think of all these reasons to justify why, it, or it's, it's different because I'm eating it because I need my protein. And we need protein and we don't get that from plants. So there's all these reasons that we could justify. But if we're contributing to the killing of any animal, you know, I find that to be a bit cruel if we don't need to do it. And so this whole plant-based Ben platform that I created, what motivated me, coming back to your question, what motivated me to go from 26% body fat to 7.5% body fat was the idea to demonstrate that you don't need 
to eat meat, to be healthy and to build muscle and to be strong. And it's also kinder on the environment, that type of plant-based living. And it's kinder on the human body as well. So you can help the people, you can help the planet, and you can help the animals just through your diet. And that was the motivation. I literally said, let me see if I can create this health transformation, see if I can try to get ripped <laughs> and then share that with the world to say, be this change that I want to see to try to change the world. That's why I did it. Did you notice a change in metabolism after you were in your 40s? Kind of. I mean, I was in better shape in my 30s than I was in my 40s, but I was better shaped from 45 to 48 than I was at any age of my life. That's amazing. Stronger, being able to do things in calisthenics that I've never been able to do, uh, different tricks on the pull-up bars and handstand push-ups and things like that. So yeah, I'm learning how to do handstand push-ups at 46 years old, you know, so it's really taken a change. My life has completely changed. And I think that despite, yes, age is a factor, I think 80% of what we do is or don't do is based on our lifestyle. Yeah, we get older, but most people also stop exercising. They stop playing. They lose their spirit. And if we can come back and regain and capture this youthful type lifestyle, we don't have to follow in, in the path that seems to be normal aging. Yeah, I saw some of those handstand upside down moves you were doing on Instagram. <laughs> that is incredible. Thank Have you. you encouraged other people to try that? No, you might get hurt. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you might. I took gymnastics as a kid, so I had a little bit of training. But Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I trust try to inspire people to live happier, healthier, more conscious lives. Okay. I like that. I also heard you talking about on another podcast interview that it's even okay for women who are pregnant to do mm -hmm. the plant-based vegan diet. I just want to clarify, I, it's not my opinion on that. It's, it's basically stating, I'm not sure if it was a World Health Organization or the one of the National Institutes of Health. It was one of the two, I believe, stated that. So I think from a plant-based standpoint, you know, a lot of people have that misconception that it's not healthy. You're not going to get protein. There's too many carbs. You're going to get fat from the carbs. You get a lot of these things that aren't necessarily true. Had you tried other diets? Everything. Sure. I've done keto many times, paleo, but veganism isn't a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's about a movement. It's about living a more conscious lifestyle. I always say to people, I didn't go vegan for me. Why did you? For the people, the planet and the animals and to make a more conscious world. Interesting. Okay. So my husband says that you have a unique dichotomy of plant-based diet, which is aligned with the hippie progressive woke values, which <laughs> is kind of in contrast to your libertarian freedom-based ideas, such as Project Veritas. Can you talk about that? I would agree with that statement. I also would say I don't want to categorize myself as any category. You know, I don't even like saying the word vegan. If you probably noticed, I besides this last week where we're promoting a special project, I haven't spoken about plant-based eating or veganism for almost a year now. So my movement has really shifted to this freedom movement. I can sum up the reason why briefly in a story, and then we could go into it if you'd like, as much as you'd like. I have a friend of mine who's 18, and he's actually kind of a well-known vegan influencer at the age of 18. And he says, Ben, I'm, I'm really conflicted. You know, he's a he's vegan for the animals. He goes out, speaks on the streets, creates these videos and publishes them on his Instagram and YouTube channel. 
what's your question? He goes, I want to protect the animals, but I realize if we lose the ability to, if we lose our rights, we're not going to be able to protect anything. And I said, absolutely. And I said, that's why I've lost the desire, the motivation to focus on talking about veganism and shifted towards talking about medical freedom and health freedom, basically full time. That's what I'm doing for the last year, because I don't think people realize if we can't control what goes into our body, we can't control our health and we can't control the health of our children. And what's been deemed to be considered safe and effective has definitely proven not to be safe. And at the same time, you know, safe 18,000 plus deaths reported in to that database, I won't say the name, that's not safe in my book. And that's the minimum amount of reports. That's amount reported. The amount expected is significantly higher than that. 800,000 adverse reacts, adverse events also submitted to this database. That means injuries. So that's not safe. Effective? Well, why are we needing a third one? And in some countries moving on to even getting a fourth shot. Why is that happening if they're really that effective? And if the immunity is waning so quickly, how effective is that? If they're constantly waning and it's not building lifelong immunity, it's waning immunity. Our bodies will have a much stronger, more robust immunity. Unless what I mentioned is considered safe in your book, they're not safe. Maybe safe for some people, sure. Maybe even safe for a majority of the people. But in general, are they safe? No. Effective? That's pretty questionable, especially questionable when you look at places like Israel and other places that they have the highest, I'm just going to call it a shot rate, right? These high shot rates are also having the highest outbreaks right now. There's a appears to be a very correlation. Causation, I'm not sure, but it appears to be. Take a look at this. So I personally believe we're being misled. I think we're being misled by cartel of pharmaceutical and regulatory agencies coming together to push this gigantic agenda and talk about safe, effective things that are not showing to be safe and effective, quite dangerous. And, and I think that I'm so compelled to come and speak out against this because if we lose our rights for this, what happens when the next bug comes around? Are they going to demand that? And is it going to be a booster every three months now? And if we decide we have to choose between keeping our job or getting these shots, it's not right. And anybody who takes a few minutes to step back and look at it can kind of come see that. And the last and probably most important thing to mention regarding this topic is the idea that getting it, if you get the shot, it doesn't keep you from giving it to others. And it doesn't even keep you from getting the sickness itself. So how on earth can we possibly morally justify this decision? It just is not logical. As a mother of four children, too, it's really stressful when the schools are encouraging my children to get it, the pediatricians are encouraging my kids to get it, you turn on the radio and there's advertisements. I'm like, oh my God, it's everywhere. 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 Yeah, I mean, they have it on every Instagram post. You know, everywhere you go, you go to, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's literally the biggest marketing campaign in human history that we've ever seen times 100. Your posts get more reach if you hit the let's get vexed button on Instagram. I should try that. I haven't been doing that. Is that true? Yeah, if you hide that <laughs> behind your story. Okay, I'm going to try that. I mean, that's so crazy. Wow. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. I would like to know your perspective on it. I'm a mom. I feel like my oldest is 13. He was throwing fits over not being able to get it. And then I was like, oh my God, if he gets it, then my younger kids are going to want it. I'm like, it's my house. It's my rules. You know, I held out months 
and letting him get it. And then it, it was such a battle. I was like, okay, so I let him, I still haven't taken it. My husband but, but, was required by his job to take it. So we're a split home. <laughs> well, which is interesting. So your husband was forced to, but he didn't want to get it. He is complied. He complied. You know, it bothers me when a child of 13 has a, or at least according to prior CDC statistics, 99.997%. And I heard one statistic, I think Joe Rogan had mentioned in his podcast. So you have to verify this, but it was at least in the article, I haven't verified, but four to six times more likely to be hospitalized from the shot than you are from COVID itself, if you're under a certain age group. So if you're four to six times more likely to get hospitalized, you basically have almost a 0% chance of dying from it. Why do you, only thing I can think to want it is the social pressure of feeling like you're not the oddball. He was saying, you know, I can't have play dates with my friends. I can't spend the night at their houses. This is a I, disaster. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just so frustrated. No, and I just feel like the social piece has been really hard for him. I feel like kids really need that. And I was like, okay, if it's going to help him there, I felt very torn and, and I'm like refusing my 10 year old daughter, but her friend came over today and she was vaxxed already. We are going to probably be in the minority. <laughs> Hold tight. Don't give in. I mean, you gave in to your 13 year old and I understand and no judgment. I cannot put myself in your shoes. I have no place to talk. It's just more and more is coming out of, on this and like if we can hold out as long as we can, I think the truth is going to reveal itself and it's going to make it easier for people to come together and say, you know, there's no reason to do this. I feel like it's like an underground movement. Like the people are, who are in agreement with me, they private message me. It's sad. <laughs> I private message everyone for the first year. And it was about 12 months in, I came out of the closet and hiding and I started speaking. And it, I don't know if you saw my live with Johnny earlier, but Johnny Juicer, he's one of the leaders in the, from my perspective, in this plant-based community. And he's been around for a long time and he's got 300,000 followers and because he's just been promoting health and happiness and conscious living and healing. Why would a guy like that start talking about misinformation to want to hurt people? He's not crazy. But the idea is like, he gave me the courage to speak out. You are hopefully giving the courage to your friends that are private messaging you and everyone who's seeing all of your shows to speak out. Because I don't think we can leave this for the one or 2% who are the leaders in this movement. And then everybody else just stays quiet. It only works if we do this together. And it seems so strange too, that like the mommies who are rebelling feel like they have to go off the grid now. <laughs> like... It's totally, but we can, it can't, not everyone can go off the grid. Some of us can't. I am. I, I got a place in Tulum. I'm moving to Mexico and I'm as an insurance policy in case I have to decide if I want to stay locked in or locked out because there's a good chance it's coming to that. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you're originally from Chicago. I'm in Chicago. You're in Chicago? Where? Yeah, Rogers Park. Oh, you're in Chicago. I'm in the white burbs. Nice. Are you originally yeah. from Chicago? I'm originally from here. Yeah. So Bartlett, Elgin, I've lived here my whole life, lived in Streeterville for a short period, but that was about it. So I've got another husband. two questions here. I want to make sure I get my husband's stuff answered. <laughs> Let's do it. He read that you're skeptical of the current mRNA vaccines mm -hmm. and you support a more holistic health-based approach. Mm-hmm. 
Can you talk about your skepticism a little bit? Sure. Well, I think probably one of the reasons I'm most skeptical about this technology is because the the founder of the technology himself, of the mRNA technology, is Dr. Robert Malone. He invented this technology. He's at least one of the key people who designed it, developed it. I believe he's a Harvard grad, but he's also, you know, he's a he's an MD and he's an extremely well-respected health professional on a, a, a number of different boards, head of a number of different organizations, number of different peer-reviewed studies, by no means has anyone ever considered this guy a quack? Well, he's coming out now, the founder of it himself, saying, I'm extremely skeptical. These aren't his words, but they're mine. I encourage people not to, get to take it. So basically, he goes in and says, we don't know the long-term ramifications. And people say, oh, but this technology has been around for a while. Well, 20 years isn't a long time. But secondly, this is the first time we're ever doing it in the form of a vax. When you inject something directly into your bloodstream, it's different than if you consume something and your body has a chance to fight it off. We don't know the long-term implications of this. The founder himself warned us that this could be very dangerous. I don't know what else you need from there to be skeptical if the founder himself is, is coming out, getting deep platform for, for speaking out about it. He's getting removed and censored. So when this MD is getting censored who, with the founder of it and trying to be looked at as a quack, I think you really have to question. What does he have to gain by doing this? Nothing. What does he have to lose? His license, his reputation. What does he have to gain? He's not making money. He's not selling a book. You have to listen. In my opinion, if you want to find the truth, if you want to find the culprits, follow the money. If you want to find the truth, follow the silence. And when the people that are out there are being silenced and risking their job, risking their Instagram platforms, risking their YouTube channels, risking the relationships, risking not getting invited to Thanksgiving because of the crazy conspiracy theorists, you have to ask, why were these people being out there putting themselves at risk? For what to benefit? It doesn't make you popular. It's not the cool thing to do. They're doing it for one reason. They're not doing it because they don't want to wear the masks and they're, oh, they don't want to be inconvenienced by that. It's not about that. It's about standing up to recognizing that they're stripping our rights away and they're forcing something on us that is potentially quite harmful. And that's could lead, that could lead to a much greater issue. It's not just about the shots. It's about what do they put in, in place next, the social credit score, which is going to be next in line. That's what the passports are going to be rolled out into. And then they start removing our rights for whatever they just deem to be necessary. Removing our rights is the most dangerous thing we could possibly do for society right now. When you start to connect the dots, you recognize this wasn't about health. This isn't about health and never, never was. This was about rolling out a new system. This is about big tech rolling out a mass surveillance system, a tracking system, a social credit score system. You know, it's people say that sounds crazy or impossible, but when you actually start to do the research and keep an open mind, you will tens of millions of others have already come to the realization that this is crystal clear. This is what this is about. It's crystal clear. Here's one point. If you have natural immunity, if you have antibodies, if you already have proof of antibodies because you have immunity, why aren't they allowing that instead of forcing you just to get the, the vax? There's no logical reason. You're protected more so than getting the vax. That should be the number one thing in line saying, oh, you have immunity. You're good to go. That's going to last longer. You're good to go. They're not taking that into account. They're forcing everybody to get it. The, the regulatory agencies are getting funding. In some cases, 40% or more by the pharmaceutical companies themselves, the CDC, 
the World Health Organization, these organizations are getting massive funding directly from the VAX companies themselves. So you don't think they're going to be biased in their decisions, in their rollout? People would say they would never do that to us. This is too big of an issue. It just can't be true. And that belief that people are holding is what's keeping them from seeing the truth. It's got to be have an open mind and dive in a little bit and you will see it for yourself. I have to say I was surprised when I know many medical professionals that chose not to get it and they were in the trenches every day seeing COVID. Those who were most skeptical to get the shot in terms of education level is the PhD level. That group had the highest percentage of people who were skeptical to get the shot. That's interesting. It is interesting when you think they're critical thinking, they know how to read scientific literature and they're the most skeptical. It was the highest group, hmm. more over masters, over bachelors, over high school students. It was the PhDs. So you start to piece everything together that I'm saying here. I'm hoping it starts to make some logical sense that people could start to say, okay, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to keep researching that maybe some of this is true because we have a lot at stake if we don't wake up to what's going on. Have you lost friends over this? A couple have shied away from me. That's about it. But I have met so many friends in place of it. So many strong relationships, so many good connections, so many. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. I feel like I have the vegan movement. I still have those friends. But now this freedom movement, I guess we call it. Yeah, it's nothing has been tighter in this connection and these we're flying out and we're doing speaking engagements in different places and we're getting together and we're going to California and this big event coming up in December. So yeah, I, I feel like I've never felt more strongly connected to a community than I do now. Tell me about what's coming up in December. You've heard of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Yes. And I saw gonna, him on your feed. Yeah, he's actually going to be coming out to this event Dr. Stanton Hom is putting on in San Diego. And so there's going to be a big event with Stanton Hom, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Del Bigtree, and a few others that are really speaking out and helping to educate people on, on the truth of what's going on out there. I was speaking at an event in San Diego on December 11th. So I'll be out there as well and just attending as a, as a guest, but it's very excited to be doing that. So that's just another event, but we're having almost weekly events now because so many more people are waking up that we are going out and protesting. I mean, Australia last weekend had hundreds of thousands of people now protesting because their lockdowns and mandates are so draconian at this point. And you collaborated with someone on your Instagram live tonight about that. Tell me a little bit about her story. Yeah, I did. There's somebody locally, Leslie Mendoza is her name, and she's a high school student. And she said the mandates, she did the research on masks. You know, she understands like it's a Bangladesh study, for example, that says if you wear a cloth mask, you basically improves your chance of, of not dying from COVID by close to 0% increase. But if you upgrade to a surgical mask, your absolute chance of dying from COVID is, uh, is reduced by 1%. So people think, well, of course masks work. Why would we wear them if they weren't? And that's the thing is because everyone's doing it and it's been so driven in our minds that we think, all right, they must work. It makes sense. You breathe out of them. But it's, it's almost like a mosquito through a chain link fence. A mosquito is going to fly right through that and particles can come right through a mask. When you look at Florida, their numbers have never been so low and they also have, they've stopped the mandates months back. So you think their rates would skyrocket. It's the opposite. A lot of the countries that ha have the most shots are seeing some of the worst results, but there is not a direct correlation that we're seeing anywhere between those with stricter lockdowns and better results, case results. 
coming back to Leslie, Leslie's a high school student who ended up becoming aware of the mandates and realized this isn't right. We shouldn't be forced to wear masks in school. And so she's, as a high school student, standing up and speaking out for her rights and saying, this doesn't make sense. Science doesn't support it. The constitution doesn't support it. Yeah. So I just wanted to give her a platform so she can speak out to the people. You think people question it. It is strange, but that's the thing. If we really start to have to question things, we've been very comfortable. You know what I mean? We've been very comfortable as a society that we haven't had to challenge or stand up for anything in history. Well, this is truly a time where we're going to need to stand up if we don't want to go a direction where they're going to really be transforming society. And that's what we're headed towards. We're heading more towards a socialist slash communist society. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, that is quite clear what the intentions are. Yeah. So I will say another thing about me starting the podcast is that I have connected with people that have questioned everything that they've been taught. And I respect mm. that so much. Mm. Like how many people take dedicated time to questioning things that they've done and why they've done them? I know that you were into meditation before you were pushing the freedom message and you had a podcast in 2018 around that. Do you still meditate? Yeah, I spent 10 years of my life seeking enlightenment, <laughs> literally, not just meditating. My goal was to become enlightened. So that was, I studied under teachers, lived in India, Thailand, and then, yeah. And I was even teaching other people how to more like Zen. It was kind of a combination of like different philosophies and religions. Like I've no, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not any particular religion. But I think that all of these things have wisdom and taking the wisdom from each one of these branches and using it as a signpost or a tool to achieve the, our optimal results. And, and that's kind of what I did with my journey. So yeah, meditation and spiritual awakening was my focus for a decade. 10 years. What yeah. is some of the wisdom that has stayed with you? That's a great question. Everybody's doing their best. I believe that you could look at someone and say, well, they're obviously not doing their best. They're still drinking alcohol, right? Okay. Well, if you're suffering inside and feeling pain, or you have an addiction, you know, you're doing your best under the conditions you're in. And I think unless you come from a place of love and compassion for every individual, and with people in this freedom movement, if you want to call it that, people wanting to protect our rights and protect our, our health, and they'll say derogatory things about people or, or how dare they? Why can't they just wake up? Because they're, they're seeing from the lens they're seeing from. They're doing the best they can. They're not aware of the information that's out there yet. You know, so you got to go easy. And if you want to wake anyone up, if you want to have any sort of impact, you have to come from a place of consciousness. You have to come from a place of love and peace and compassion. For me, I, I definitely think that was a major lesson that I've learned. I'm super fascinated about the fact that you made it to India because so many people want to experience that. Yeah. How did you get there? Well, this was years ago, eight years ago, I think. And I just flew on a plane, didn't know what to expect, hopped in a cab. It was crazy. It was such an amazing experience. It's like, I didn't know if to keep my eyes closed or to not shut them because you have families of four on a motorcycle, like weaving in and out of cars. Like, uh, what are they doing? They're going to die. The culture was, it was such a culture shock, but it was the most warm, welcoming, loving community. I felt so embraced there. It was great. Where did you live? What did you do? What was a typical day like? Go down to the local cafe, get a chai latte, most delicious, spicy Indian food for 50 cents. And then we would go into um, 
something called a satsang, which is like a guided meditation. And we would just, you know, group together and just, what is true awakening? What is spiritual awakening? Uh, how do we find inner peace? And asking these questions and, and really just practicing to get there. And so most of the days were spent with like-minded people and on the same journey. How do you find inner peace? Well, one way to do it is you align what you're thinking, what you're saying, and what you're doing together. Because I don't know about you, but I'm assuming there was a time where you kind of wanted to be a little bit more vocal about your beliefs, for example, of what's going on today. And as you say, you have friends messaging you privately. But here you are talking to me about your perspective. And I don't know to what degree you've done this prior, but it doesn't feel good when you believe something or you know something in your heart to be right. And you're not aligning that with your words. And you're staying quiet. It's You're lying to yourself. And again, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but that the quote says, the truth says, shall set you free. You know, that's a really great example of what it means, because when you're speaking the truth, you're in alignment and then you find harmony. Okay. So I kind of want to tie that into the fact that you were a paper pusher and had a stint in corporate America, right? Mm, yeah. I owned a business. I was a business owner of a recruiting company. that was like an outsourcing company for a Fortune 500 company. And so that was cool, but I had the golden handcuffs on. I was making a lot of money. And at the same time, I was unhappy and I learned how to meditate at that time. And this was about 12, 13 years ago. I recognized when I went to the forest and would meditate during the lunch break, I'd feel this great sense of calm and inner peace. And then I go back to work and I'm like, oh my God, this is just so much stress and suffering. And so that was the trigger that made me decide to say, whatever I made, it's enough. It's enough now, you know, and it's time for me just to live in harmony and live in peace. And so I just left my company and went off and was in India shortly after later and, you know, in Thailand. And it's not that the answers were there. I just felt like I wanted, you can find the answers anywhere. You know, the truth is from within. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in a, in a park bench outside of your front house or run off to India. Sometimes maybe you get better direction in places like this. But in reality, you know, it's like, yeah, for me, it was just about my vision was I had enough of the corporate chasing. I want to find inner peace and I want to live in alignment with my values. Since I got my degree in environmental science, I made a promise to myself that not to lose focus on what's important to me. Do you want to explore anything else? Yeah, I want to explore everything else, <laughs> you know, but right now I feel like I really believe that what's happening in the world right now with the way the, the world is transforming, if they do impose these passports, we're going to be in a point where we are ruled by our behavior. And let me explain this really quickly. So because it, it ties into the significance of why why I'm doing all this. In China, there's something called a social credit score. Are you familiar with it? I've heard of it, yeah. It's nothing to do with like a credit score. It's basically, if you're caught jaywalking, for example, they will publicly put your picture up on, on the wall. And what they'll do is they'll also reduce your credit score because you broke the law. But they deem what is significant. One of the articles I was reading is one of the things that can reduce your credit scores if you're buying too many video games because it's showing that you're a citizen who's not making smart health decisions or whatever it was. That one seemed extreme and ridiculous. And But some things that are true is like, if you're speaking out, if you're littering, all these things, people say, well, that sounds good. I'm a good citizen. I have nothing to worry about, right? But what if you want to protest for your daughter uh, at school and say, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't feel comfortable about her getting a shot. Well, guess what? That's a bad behavior. 
And what happens when your social credit score gets reduced? Your insurance premiums may go up. Your access to loans, the costs may go up. And the point is that when our behavior is tied to our bank accounts, that's slavery. And that's the direction this is headed. This is the final piece that I'm trying to tie together for everyone here is that this is the direction it's going. This intention of rolling this out was happened years ago. And when this came out two years ago, before this was even in discussion, we knew this was coming. My friends and I did because we've done history. We've looked at the past. We knew what was going on in China. We knew this technology was rolling out here. When the government and those in charge have more capacity to control the people, they can have more power and influence. And people in power want to have more power and more control. It's just how it operates. And that's what's happening now. I want to experience everything. I'd love to go back to promoting smoothie bowls and stuff all day long. But the truth is, I can't let our world go this direction. And if I can make just a little spark of light that contributes towards making, keeping us away from this technocratic type of dictatorship, there's nothing against liberal people or against Democrats or Republicans. It's nothing to do with that. It's just about a, it's a humanity thing. We need to stop us from going that direction because it's it's truly a very scary time and place. But once that's all settled and we're all happy and kumbaya, oh man, yeah, I'm going back to India. I'm going back to Bali. I'm going back to Thailand. I want to experience it all. Yeah. What about uh, psychedelics? Yeah, I've done a handful of those. Ayahuasca was the one that really changed my life. Oh my God. Can I hear that story really quick? So after about my 10 years of spiritual seeking, I'm in Costa Rica. And I'm at this ceremony. And if, for those who aren't familiar with ayahuasca, ayahuasca is a drink that's been uh, done in a tribal setting, primarily in South America, for years. They would do it as a cultural event. And it's a way of kind of seeing the spirits and getting connected with nature. And I had never done it before, but I've heard a lot of people who have, and it's changed their life for the better. So I decided, all right, I'm going to try this. And I didn't know what to expect, but it was a crazy, the craziest roller coaster ride of my life. I was seeing colors and images and visions and completely out of my body, you know, who I was or what was happening. And there was this moment of me coming back. I was like, please let me just come back. Let me come back to like normal. And I felt myself coming back into my body. And I had this enormous sense of gratitude of this human experience. Like, oh my God, I am a human in this human body. And what a gift this is. And the sense of gratitude I hadn't had before, like ever, like I, I want every moment to count. I want every moment to be filled with love and compassion and connection and enthusiasm. And, and that really woke me up. And when I went in, my intention was, I just want to lose that last piece of ego so I can be fully enlightened and never suffer again. And, you know, so I had this egoic vision going in or hope, you know, but the lesson that I got out of all of this that was probably most significant was the message was stop spiritual seeking, stop meditating. I was addicted to it. I was meditating for four to six hours a day. I was constantly in this Zen type of state, or if I wasn't there, I was trying to get back into it. And that it was a chasing. So I was never present. The irony was when you're seeking, you're never seeing. You hear about great sages or great saints or the great seers in history. They're not seekers, they're seeing. So when you're seeking, you're caught in the loop. When you're seeing, you're in the present aware now. And what had happened, so after that spiritual experience on ayahuasca, I realized that whatever I've learned, whatever I've integrated to date through my business, through my environmental studies, my spiritual journey, I need to go 
do what I can to share with the world. And I literally said, let me see if I can go get ripped and get on Instagram and spread awareness for the people playing the animals. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You've got to hang out with my husband. I feel like your all's journey is so similar. That is oh my God, really crazy. I, really? I mean, Tell he really wants to understand the universe too. And he feels like if he were to do ayahuasca, that it would create new tracks in his mind. And he's always like studied physics and just wanted to be conscious as well and he tried living on a mountain in new mexico for a year and a half off the grid and yes, yeah that sounds very similar well you're you're gonna have to come to some of these events or keep me in the loop so we can meet up yeah that'd be really cool oh my gosh <laughs> is there anything that you would like to ask my dad i would say i don't know his perspective on what's going on in the world i would just hope that he can keep an open mind and continue to take a look and continue to question and looking at the true science and not just the headlines of what we're seeing in the news and ask, is it possible? Is it just possible that there may be more going on behind the scenes that we're not really being told the truth? I would state that's more of a statement though, but that would be the question. I love that. Awesome. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for being a sport and answering all my questions. If you're still in Chicago, I think it would be fun to grab coffee sometime, or sure. I could I could watch the kids and send my husband to meet you. <laughs> well, tell your husband to send me a direct message on Instagram so I can follow him back too. I'm open to sharing content and brainstorming and yeah, everything else. So it's been a pleasure. So nice to meet you and so nice to connect. So yeah, reach out anytime and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on the show. You're amazing. Have an awesome night. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. Yeah, so what did you think of plant-based Ben? Well, what plant-based Ben is, is that not only is he trying to do a natural look and do the things that he loves of trying to improve the world, but the fact is, is that what this meeting is really all about is the power of freedom. Does government any type of government, do they overstay their power or does power corrupt? You have too much of it. And the answer to all of those questions is, is yes, our freedoms are being attacked and power does corrupt, especially those that cling to it and that get intoxicated by it and that only think of themselves and where they feel like they have to control people because they know better than everybody else. They're there to protect their own job rather than really having the moral responsibility to help others achieve and to give everyone an opportunity to grow and be part of a growing society and not a controlling society. Sounds to me like you think uh, he was making some sense. Well, the funny part is, is that you know that I'm a man of science also, just like your husband. And when they tell you that when vaccines or drugs go through a testing process of years, and then they are approved on an emergency basis only after a few months. And they tell you that, well, if you play it extra safe, we're going to give you two boosters. And that's going to build your immunities where you're going to be all set. And then all of a sudden they, that you need a third shot. You have to start questioning their science, especially when the research on this COVID was initiated in China, where this virus is very likely been man-made and mishandled in a Chinese laboratory. Where we've also been dependent on, again, chasing the buck where it can be manufactured the cheapest and where most of our goods in America, in order to beat the wage inflation game, so to speak, is let's dominate all the third world nations 
and have them make everything, and we will make money on them because we can't get away with taking advantage of the rights of people in America. We'll just do it somewhere else. Is that good business sense? And is that what's really good for humanity? Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 